Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 97. Can you believe we've done 97 of these? Of uh, We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley. David, uh, David Cameron Walker is here. Nearly forgot his name. Hello. Hello. We are back at base this week. Did you enjoy our little uh, trip to uh, yes. West London last I, week? I did indeed, yes. Uh, but the uh, the winning run came to an end at the weekend, I, I noticed. record's over, still unbeaten though, so still I think they'll be okay about it. Unbeaten. Um, it's just me and Dave this week. Carl uh, isn't here. Jim was going to be here, but he's in a meeting. So we he's shall got, persevere. What, he's got a meeting for this time. I just had a text saying, mate. Quarter, I'm... Past, quarter past nine on a Monday evening. <laughs> I know. Anyway, Ridiculous. I think it was a little bit I early. I don't buy it. Okay. I'm not having it. Right. He's at home watching Everton Newcastle. He's <laughs> a traitor to the Football League. <laughs> Okay, we've got some dramatic music because I'm going to start with a couple of quiz questions for you this oh, week. All right. Before we get into it, get a prize. Uh, no. Following Nigel Clough's dismissal, only how many of the 92 Football League managers have held their jobs for more than three years? Um, how many of ni- 92? Yes, yeah, so or including the uh, Premier League ones right. as well. For more than three years, I'm going to say uh, 12. The answer is seven. Oh. And my, my next question is, can you name them? Can I name seven? Yeah, quick. Um, we'll, we'll sort of give you about a minute to do uh, this. Well, I know Tony Mowbray's one, isn't he? No. This is tweeted to us by at theenigma84. He's now become the longest ever manager in the championship, though, isn't he? Oh, OK. Because uh, he was important. October none 2010. of these managers are championship managers. There's one from the Premier League, which is obvious. OK. Well, Paul Tisdale's obviously one, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Come on, get the Premier League one. Um, Wenger yes that's two and then the others we've got uh, two more on a three from League One and two from League Two shall we come back to this later in the show Um, if you're not going to get we could leave it hanging there and come back to it later Okay, I promise I won't look at Google in the meantime. Okay, we'll we'll answer this question if you're dying to know what it is. It's five at the end of the show. Later, we're going to be speaking to uh, Carl Maluli, a big Sheffield Wednesday fan and blogger for Wednesday Night in the Sky Sports Fan Zone and occasional podcast. We can get rid of that music now for the Wednesday week after uh, another defeat for Dave Jones at the weekend. Still winless Wednesday after eight games in the Championship. They lost one nil uh, to Doncaster at Hillsborough at the weekend. But we're going to start with the big story in the football uh, league Carl this Robinson. week. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. We'll come back to that later, though. We're going to start with a big story uh, in the Football League this weekend, uh, that being the uh, decision by Derby County uh, to sack Nigel Clough after that 1-0 defeat to Nottingham Forest in the East Midlands derby at the City Ground on Saturday. And in Edinburgh? <laughs> no, it's not. Steve McLaren has been appointed as Derby's new head coach. So McLaren takes charge and will be, I think, in charge for the game on Tuesday night uh, when Derby play 
Ipswich. I think he's going to be there in the stands. Sort okay. of thing. I'm not sure he'll be on the touchline. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in just a minute, in a few minutes, we're going to speak to a big Derby fan and blogger for Facing Two Ways, Jonathan Rogers, to get a fan's view on it. Uh, but first, a man who's been working long, long days, like 13, 14 hour days the last few days, uh, Owen Bradley, uh, the main man at BBC Radio Derby Sport, agreed to give us a few minutes of his time after yet another marathon shift. Uh, me and DC spoke to him a few minutes ago and I started by asking what he made of the decision to appoint Steve McLaren. Um, I think on the balance of, of everything and, and, and from hearing from a lot of fans, I think uh, I think it's probably a good appointment. The club have said they want to change direction, they want to change the structure and they want to change how things have done. I think what's exciting Derby fans isn't it isn't necessarily just Steve McLaren. It's the fact that he has brought with him Paul Simpson and Eric Steele as well. They're three men that have connections to Derby, but they're three men who are who have credentials that are very proven. I mean, I know McLaren has had his issues with England and elsewhere, but you know, you look at how Joey Barton, for example, has spoke about him today. Uh, he is a big fan of what Steve McLaren has done, and overall, I think it's a positive move by the club. And and the feeling I get it, it's just stoked the fires of Derby supporters again that, that maybe it kind of died down. Oh, in a lot of the reaction that I've been seeing today in the mainstream media to, to Clough's uh, dismissal has been one of, of surprise, really. Um, but as somebody that watches him week in, week out and speaks to people at the club on a regular basis, are you surprised or could you see this coming? Look, I was shocked on Saturday night and I think everybody was shocked on Saturday night to get a message saying Nigel Clough has been sacked. Um on reflection, there have been signs that perhaps this was coming. Sam Rush, the new chairman, chief executive, has, has put his stamp on the club in a few little ways over the last uh, six months or so. Uh, and obviously, this is the biggest one. On reflection, we shouldn't have been as surprised. But yeah, I think it was the timing of it. You know, After losing to Nothing Forest, the big rivals, with games on Tuesday, they just had three games in a week as well. I think the timing was a big shock. But when you look at things in the wider context, Perhaps not so much. And interestingly as well, they've appointed him as head coach. And I mm-hmm. see there's talk of appointing a sporting and technical director as well. So this signifies a, a some change in direction from the approach from, from the owners. Yeah, massive change in direction. Look, I think one of the reasons that they wanted to, to, to change things was they, they maybe felt that Derby weren't, I think, weren't modern enough in some ways. They've got an excellent academy, uh, an excellent academy manager in Darren Russell, but I don't think the scouting network was there uh, and they clearly didn't think the coaching was good enough. So they've made this change. Steve McLaren's a fantastic coach. That's his reputation, not necessarily as a manager. And yeah, they want to bring a technical director in as well. I think that might partly have something to do with the American influence. Uh, you know, this is an American ownership group for the most part. You have a guy like Brett Wilson who owns the Nashville Predators ice hockey team as well. He has a stake there. And, you know, in American sport, there's a very clear chain of general manager and coach. You know, a general manager finds the players and the coach gets them to play. And in a way, I think that's how it might work in the long term. In terms of who candidates are for, for that role as sporting director, I, I'm not sure of anything just yet, a bit too soon. Do you think that a Derby fan should be worried about the fact that McLaren failed in his last job in the championship? Yes and no. I think, he, well, his last job was manager in the championship, of course, at Forest, which is always ironic. But, um, you know, I, I think promises were broken to him there. I think he has better players 
at Derby right now than he had at Forest when he took over. I think there's some there's bags of potential in the Derby squad, uh, but it needs somebody to get it out of them. Derby fans will be worried, of course, but but as I mentioned, point to what he's done at Queens Park Rangers, which is his most recent job in the Championship, albeit not as a manager. Uh, and, and from what you hear, he's doing great things. So in that regard, I don't think Derby fans will be worried too much. Uh, and finally, Owen, what what legacy does does Nigel Clough uh, leave behind? Obviously, uh, you know someone that the Derby fans, even before he was manager, held in held in great regard with his links with his father Brian. But what legacy does he leave behind for Steve McLaren to take over now? I think when all is said and done and, and the dust settles, I think Nigel Clough's legacy at Derby will be fantastic. Honestly, do I think the job that he has done over the last four and a half years is a job that probably nobody else could have done. I think maybe his name did buy him time, but I think that's exactly what Derby needed. They needed stability, uh, and he's brought stability. He's cut the wage budget basically in half. He's got rid of some big players. You know, He worked wonders with the likes of Robbie Savage, who was being paid not to be at Derby County. He got an extra year out of him at half the price. Uh, I think when all is said and done, Derby County will owe a lot to Nigel Clough, an awful lot to Nigel Clough. But unfortunately for Nigel Clough, it's almost a situation now where somebody else will come in and be the beneficiary of the good work that he's done. So that was Owen Bradley from BBC Radio Derby Sports speaking to us a couple of minutes ago. And right now we're going to get a fan's perspective uh, from Jonathan Rogers, Derby fan and a blogger for Facing Two Ways. Jonathan, thanks very much for coming on. Owen uh, said he was shocked when he heard the news about Clough sacking on Saturday. Were you shocked and what did you make of the timing? It was unbelievable. I, I thought the timing was a bit strange. I, I would have thought if they wanted to get rid of him, uh, they would have discussed it with him maybe over the weekend. But it, I think a lot of the, the details about the timing was because of the, the American owners had uh, obviously lost patience. And the fact that they've done it after a local derby does smack of a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, really. But Well, it's, it's interesting you say uh, you know, knee-jerk, Jonathan, because something that that struck me when I was reading the statement um, upon the news of his sacking was that they they said that the search for a successor is well underway. Uh, just, you know, this is, you know, minutes after after the guy's yeah. been, been dismissed. So that suggests to me that perhaps the, the, the powers that be at Derby thought, right, OK, you know, if he loses this game, it's against the local rivals Forest, that's the time to do it. But I think that they may well have been thinking about doing this yeah. for some time. I think they were probably thinking about doing it since we lost to Burnley, which was quite a devastating defeat. And as we carried on losing at home and as we lost to Leicester away in the Cup, I think, I think things just sort of... Uh, went into a perfect storm, really. It gained a bit of momentum. So, And I think there was a, certainly a sense amongst the board and maybe maybe a lot of the fans that um, Clough wasn't really doing enough to change things at home and he didn't really have any ideas about how to improve the home form. And, and, and really, we were heading for another mid-table finish. Yeah, so. It's interesting you, you're saying another mid-table finish. Well, yeah. if we look back at all the positions that you've finished in under Clough. So his first season, 08-09, obviously he came in partway through that season. Uh, you finished 18th. Uh, 9-10, 14th, yeah. solidly mid-table. 10-11, dropped down to 19th. 11-12, 12th, 12-13, 10th. And he leaves them, uh, departs the club in 14th position now. So, you know, there is much of a muchness there, isn't it? There's gradual improvement. There's a few steps sort of back. Slow but, progress, you know, but I mean, yeah. that's not quick enough. I mean, we're, yeah. we're losing seven million quid a year. The, the American owners wanted some sort of challenge, and I think it was slipping away. I think we're 12, 12 points off the promotion spots, maybe. You know, it's looking like other clubs with maybe a bit more financial muscle are, are, are looking like they're going to succeed. And there wasn't, there didn't appear to be any solution to the home form. I mean, we're, we're brilliant away from home, but no, no 
no plan B, no no solution to what was going on at home. So I think I think that was the, the last final straw, really. Do you think that uh, Derby fans will be quite split on this decision? Um, because I've sort of been reading a lot of conflicting opinion on Twitter. There's a lot of fans who think that Nigel Clough had done an exceptional job given the, yeah. the budget and everything that's gone on at that club in the last yeah, few years. I'm one of those, but uh, I, I think I feel a bit differently this afternoon and, and this evening. But I think a lot of fans maybe even took against him from the start for various reasons, but a lot of fans had disliked his... The way he criticised some players, they thought he was tactically not as able as other managers. I think I think a lot of people have lost patience. And a lot of people were, were looking at the mid-table finishes and thinking, what are we going to do next? When are we really going to get a chance to get promoted? But I, I think uh, the majority of fans were upset and shocked and surprised by the manner of his sacking, definitely. And I think still there's a, there's a lot of residual uh, emotion about that amongst the fans, as far as I can gather. Do you think that uh, partly, though, we, you know, Nigel Clough has been allowed to kind of persist with this mediocrity and the, these mid-table finishes because he's Nigel Clough? Yeah, a lot of fans do, do think that. Before Saturday, it suddenly appeared that he was completely working well with the, the management team with the owners and, and that he was completely signed up for their their sort of slow progress. I think something's changed. Sometime this season they've decided uh, if, if we're not going to succeed this season, we, we, we need to make a change. So obviously that's what's happened. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I get the sense from what you're saying and from other Derby fans that I've spoken to on Twitter and a few others that I know that there is there has been a sense of, of realism and, you know, in terms of the budget that you've got and you know the players that you've got you've had to sell some of your good your better players there's always going to be people linked with the likes of Will Hughes and you know it's, it, you're up against it against some of the bigger clubs in this division in terms of in terms of the wage bills they can they can give their players in terms of the money they can spend on players so there's a there's a reality check i think yeah. that the derby fans are well you know comfortable with but obviously the board don't feel the same but now leading on to to now the new man coming in, Steve McLaren. It, it doesn't strike me that he's going to suddenly have loads of money to spend no. in January, for example. No, so no. they must think he can do better job with these players. That's the big question. I mean, you can only think that they're relying on his coaching ability. Maybe if we do get a director of football, that there's some sort of foreign recruitment. Maybe some. There's, there's always the possibility of selling Will Hughes during the January window, and that, that should get us about five million quid to sort of eight million quid. That might uh, lead to a few signings, so you never know. But uh, if he doesn't have any uh, extra money, he's going to have to rely on his coaching ability. And now and everyone's very positive about yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's the thing that he he does. You know, that's his. I guess his his real strength in terms of what he's built his reputation on. He, well, was, he was a number two at United, at Derby, at, at England before he took well, over. Harry Redknapp was very uh, sad to see him go as well. Heard yeah. him on the radio today. But to be fair, I think the, the I hope people don't have roast into spectacles on about his coaching ability because that that's a long time ago I mean I was a, I was a Derby fan when he was here with Jim Smith he was brilliant and I think our decline under Jim Smith started when McLaren left to go to, to Man United but all those things all those successes were a long time ago and he's had some some recent failings you know Wolfsburg uh, the Dutch team when he went there for the second time Forest, 20, I think yeah. we can probably discount for various reasons but he did buy he bought Ishmael Miller, he bought Jonathan Green in. Are those the type of uh, astounding <laughs> footballing choices that we're looking for? I'm not sure. So would he have been your ideal man? I mean, there was rumours about Tony Pulis, wasn't there, on Saturday? <laughs> Once I heard about the Pulis thing, I, I, I was I was feeling sick, to be honest. But uh, I think my, my favourite would have been uh, Martin O'Neill. But for various reasons, I, I think he wasn't really on the cards. But as soon as I heard 
Paul Simpson, Eric Steele, and this idea of a director of football, I think that sounds interesting. As soon as I heard all that, uh, I've been going to change my mind, to be honest. I mean, I was quite upset by Clough going, but... But now, uh, I think I'm wearing the rose-tinted spectacles myself, to be quite honest. But what, what sort of team, then, does, uh, does Steve McLaren have to work his wonders with on the, on the training pitch, if, in, if that indeed is what he can do? I mean, you've got, from what I see, you've got some, you know, some good young players that Clough has brought through over the last few years, and you know, one or two experienced heads as well. So there seems to be a little bit of a mixture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, Will Hughes, he's only 18 still. I think he's, he's certainly one of the most skillful midfielders I've seen. In this in this division for a while, uh, we've also got Mason Bennett, who's only eight, uh, seventeen. He's a striker, sort of come wide midfielder. He's already in England's under nineteen international. He's a great player. Richard Keogh, centre half. He's not had a brilliant season, but he, he's he's certainly very capable. Jeff Hendrick, who's out injured at the moment, Republic of Ireland international. I think we've got great players all, all over the pitch. I think we've got some weaknesses, uh, certainly in central defence. Uh, full-back positions, mate, and we don't have any width. We certainly don't have any any wingers in the side. So, and I think that's one of Clough's problems, to be honest. That, so, would you like to see a change in the style of football that, that's played? Well, I mean, it's it's not bad, but it, certainly at home, it's been very. There's been no width. There's been no no wingers, no crosses, and we, we've got strikers who need crosses. And I think it's been very, very, very difficult at home. We've had more space away from home, and that's resulted in a few. A few good wins. You've always had consistently over the last sort of, you know, well, ever since Clough has been there, ever since you've been back down in the Championship, really, you've had very high average attendances. I, I remember going to going to a game as a Watford fan up at Pride Park, and it was yeah. pretty much full on. I think you beat us three 0 that day, and it was a you know real, one of the loudest crowds that I've yeah. that I've heard. And so, with that in mind, do you, do you think that there's potential if McLaren and his team and the, whoever comes in as these directors can get it right? Can they you know get back to the Premier League and, and stay there like they yeah. did in the nineties? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I mean the attendance, bit, the attendance has been dropping, but that, that's been the same all over the Championship, apart from Brighton, I think. So. There is a bit, you can sense a bit of enthusiasm and a bit of people are waking up now and maybe people are thinking, well, it, it was time for a change and, and they're enthused by, you know, we've got three managers and coaches who all played for for Derby. Mm. I, I remember all of them playing for Derby, but there's certainly potential. I mean, we, we've got potential to have, if the team's playing well and is challenging in the top six or maybe top two, we, we can get crowds of 30,000 regularly, you know, week in, week out. And I think... If we get promoted to the Premier League, whenever that if that happens, I think you know we've we've got great potential. You said at the uh, the start of this chat that you were set for another mid-table finish mm. under Nigel Clough. So obviously, quite a high-profile managerial change. McLaren's well-known England manager, former England manager comes in. Automatically, he's under uh, pressure to do well yeah. this season. What do you think the target is? What, you know, where realistically can Derby finish this season? Realistically, I'd say. Top ten. I mean, we don't really know what what's going to happen with the money. I mean, it, and things may change if we sell Will Hughes or another player in the January window. But it is such a dramatic change. I think the the pressure will be on. So I'd like to think we can get in the playoffs. Um, and I still think it's that type of division where there's going to be different results, different teams, uh, lots of difficult games, and it's going to be very volatile. So playoffs playoffs is a possibility, but I could possibly settle for a top ten finish. 
And I think all you've got, you got to do really is cast your mind back to about this time last year and uh, when your, your good friends up the road down Brian Clough Way, uh, Nottingham Forest made their what third managerial appointment of the season yeah. at that stage. I think a lot, of my, a lot of people, including myself, said no chance of them getting into the playoffs and they came within a whisker of doing it, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, so, right. you know, I think ab- yeah. absolutely possible for you at this stage. Mr. Davis is, is quite special in that respect. After I remember him uh, managing us and winning about 15 games 1-0. So if he's, he's regular at that. I'm not sure... McLaren's like that, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Let's let's see what happens. Okay, Jonathan, thank you very much for coming on and no, speaking no to us. Uh, that's Jonathan Rogers, Derby fan and facing two ways blogger. Apologies if there's a couple of crackles on the line there. In just a second, we're going to head over to South Yorkshire and uh, talk about what's been another disappointing weekend for Dave Jones at Hillsborough. So, Sheffield Wednesday then. 1-0 defeat to Doncaster at the weekend leaves the Owls in the Championship relegation zone. Third from bottom and without a league win yet this season after eight games. Four draws and four defeats. On the line to speak to us is Carl Maluli, who is a Sheffield Wednesday fan, blogger for Wednesday Eye and Sky Sports Fan Zone and occasional podcaster on the Wednesday Week podcast as well. Uh, Carl, how much pressure is building on Dave Jones then after this run? Well, there's a, there's a bit of pressure building up on him now. Um, I think there was a fair amount of expectancy coming into this season. Dave Jones has now been in the job 18 months. And, and to be honest, last season, there was a bit of pressure on him and he managed to turn it around when we had a poor sort of first half of the season. And then we picked up in the second half of the season. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure on the manager at the moment. Not that he cares to admit it himself uh, very often, but it is, it is a difficult time for us. I'm interested to know why there would have been uh, an increased level of expectation this season, other than the natural tendency for football fans to be optimistic <laughs> in, in a closed season. Because looking at your the players you've brought in, you've not spent a penny really, have you? I don't think you've got most of the players you've signed are on free transfers. You've, you've since brought in a, a couple of short-term loans. The likes of Roger Johnson and Matty Fry have signed up recently, but you know Mag Homer, uh, who are you? Knew you, yeah. <laughs> you over the summer. Um, Good McPhail, to know you. Um, they're all, all free transfers, so it's not like he's had a big transfer kitty to go out and spend and bolster the squad massively. No, I suppose, I think the, the sort of second half of the season where we did pick up in our form was really playoff form. You know, we got a lot of wins and we beat a lot of the teams sort of up at the top end of the table. Obviously, if you remember, it was a really close sort of battle to stay in the league and it was a high points total. So I think that coupled with the fact that sort of when a year established though it was the talk about let's establish ourselves in the first year and let's try and build from that but yeah I do see what you're saying we did need to strengthen the squad perhaps more than, than we did I mean the interesting thing was that we sort of re-signed players such as Giles Coke David Prutter Miguel Liera and I think that was a surprise to most of us as fans. They did a good job for us last season, but I think we were all hopeful that we'd sort of increase the quality of the squad. And then, obviously, we've not had the best start to the season. We hear rumours that Miguel Liera was offered out on loan despite only signing a contract in the summer. So it's not it's not been the best sort of few months in terms of the transfer window, and the expectation has sort of waved a little bit now. And I think we're well and truly in a relegation fight again. <laughs> On the well, as we record on the 30th of September, we're already talking about a relegation fight. I'm just looking at the games you've lost. You've lost to Burnley and you've lost to QPR, who are obviously the top two in the division at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you lost obviously 4-1 at Birmingham last week and 1-0 this weekend. Although, uh, judging by the highlights, you were quite unlucky to lose to Doncaster. Yeah, we we played really 
well. Having started the season all right, despite not getting the, the sort of points on the board, we um, we played well against Doncaster on Saturday. It's the best we've played over recent weeks. The fans really got behind the team. I thought the team looked like they were giving more effort than they've shown in recent weeks. You know, I think two key sort of players for us were Roger Johnson and Stephen McPhail, and they've recently come into the to the team and you can see their quality you know Stephen McPhail really dictated the game he was passing and we've really been lacking that and the other thing we've significantly been lacking is somebody scoring the goals and I think had we had that although we didn't create many clear cut chances that could have been the difference between sort of getting a victory or not on well he tried to get hold of Makeda didn't he well apparently so I mean we're not sure how close he was to getting him but he did say that he was interested but but to be honest I'm not sure how, how close we were to it uh, to getting him in so I mean, should there actually be, uh, you know, a case to be optimistic and to, to back Dave Jones during this during this time of pressure, really? Because as you as you alluded to before, he was in a similar situation last season, and he and you pulled through and you did well. He's experienced in this division, uh, despite never having taken Cardiff up in his time there. He got Wolves up, and you know, he does know what he's doing in this league. And if you're playing well, if the performances are decent at this stage of the season, surely that's what matters more than necessarily getting all the points on the board. Personally, I, I'd agree 100 percent with that. You know, we. We're not in the best position financially. You know, we haven't got the strongest squad. I think we've got a decent manager. I mean, there are a lot of fans who sort of don't like his demeanour and the way he is after interviews. You know, um, they, they would like to see more passion from him. Now, personally, I think, we, judging by the results on the pitch, which, again, they haven't been great, but <laughs> I do think we should give him a little bit more more time. You know, are we going to get anybody better? That's the big question. I mean, some Wednesday fans talk about the Canio. I was going to say. Tony Pulis. I, I mean, out of the two of them, I'd choose Tony Pulis, but I really wouldn't want the Canio as our manager. Really not. It's caused enough problems for that club already in his, uh, in his, his well, career, yeah, hasn't he? was it? only with us for a year, and it was a fantastic <laughs> year, but the well, aftermath of that. Why do you think Dave Jones does get so frosty when uh, journalists ask him the questions, which after eight sort of games without a win, they're in, perfectly entitled to do so? Yeah, I mean... I've read his autobiography, and I think some of it does stem from his sort of the history with the sort of the court case brought against him, yeah. and the way the media dealt with him. I think he's sort of that's a bit of his personality, you know. He's a, he's a bit spiky, he's a bit sort of sharp. I mean, apparently after the Birmingham game, I didn't hear it myself, but the interview asked a question about his mad. position. And yeah, he, he went he, mad. You I mean, mentioned I, that on the show last week, didn't you? And yeah. I listened to it as, it as it happened, and he actually said, well, the interesting thing was, you can you can kind of understand him getting uh, annoyed and, and feeling under pressure and, and wanting to come out fighting, but what, what was interesting was, as, as Mark, you just said, you know, they've been battered by Birmingham, they've not won yet, and he was saying to the reporter, you've got no right to answer, ask me that question, that's, that's wrong, that's which I thought was very, a very strange way of looking at it. Personally, I don't think he's going to get the psych. I mean, what you go to our morning now but but yeah I, I don't think he's, he's I think he's here for the for the foreseeable future I mean there's still rumblings about a t- possible takeover and um, there's a Chinese consortium perhaps interested in the club and I'm not sure whether we can afford to sack him at the moment you know we were already still paying for Gary Megson allegedly you know he's still be under contract to us so can we really have two managers on the books who are just sort of taking money out of the club and not giving anything back I, I'm not sure we're in a position to do that and um, we've got sort of financial fair play. Oh, for me, to say financial <laughs> fair play around the corner. You know, we've already been said that we're losing five million pounds uh, a year. So we need to sort of get our house in order. And and to be honest, 
I think most Wednesday fans would agree we don't want to get back in the situation we were before where when Milan Mandrich came in and saved us when we're on the brink of sort of mm. extin- extinction. Basically. Well, I have granted these are, you know, I've just random fans that I've just uh, sort of uh, scanned a few tweets from, but just yeah. some contrasting opinions. Yeah. Um, Ryan, Wednesday, absolute toilet. Jones out before with a laughing stock, uh, stock of Yorkshire. It's quite a bit of competition for that at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Joe says, Dave Jones out Wednesday, a shocking. Decanio in, please. Johnny, we are joint bottom. If some Wednesday fans are happy with that, so be it but I still want Jones out if I'm an idiot you're deluded okay um, so yeah what do you make of the uh, do you think a large percentage of the fans have turned against him or is it still sort of alright at the moment I think it's, it's a fair amount that, that don't want him whether they're saying they want him psyched is a different thing but I just like I said I go back to what I said earlier I think some people just simply don't like him but if he's doing a good job they put up with it and they did at the back end of last season but I, I also think that he's sort of He's got to sort of produce the results on the pitch and produce the performances like against Doncaster, you know. I think had we lost against Doncaster on Saturday and it been another Dow performance, same result, there would have been calls for his head. But I think it was very difficult for fans to sort of be against the team after putting in arguably our best performance of the season. Now, putting aside the result, which obviously is the key thing, you know, if the players give that level of commitment and fight and passion over the next few games, we will get a win. You know, There's no doubt about that. We'll grind something out. But he needs to get the results on the board. That, that's the key thing for us at the moment. Carl, we've been um, talking Derby earlier on in, in the show today. And yeah. they're a club, obviously, that have finished you know, mid-table in this division for, for a long time now. And they decided to change their manager when they sit, you know, what... Uh, seven points better off than you in the table, yeah. uh, and I asked the question uh, of of the Derby fan. And, you know, they they get a lot of fans. You get a good, you know, good attendance levels. You've got a good potential to get even more fans into to what is a big stadium for this level at Hills. But what yeah. what's the potential for your club, and how can it move forward? Is it wait? Is it keeping your head above water until this takeover happens, or is it just a change of manager or change of players? What what what's going to happen? What needs to happen to sort of kick you on and get you back to where you once were? I think the, a takeover would be a, a positive step forward. I think Milan Mandaric, although he's put a lot of money into the club, and I think we're all really grateful to him, he's always admitted that it's not a long-term thing for him. You know, he's, he's done what he wanted to do, and he is looking to sort of sell the club on. And if the right offer comes along, so I think that would help form a bit of stability in the club and lose the sort of air of uncertainty around that. We do need some investment in the squad. You know, we are. We have got a few decent players. I think one of our best players in recent years, Mikel Antonio, is not firing this season. You know, If we can sort of find some decent loan players over the next few months and, and bring them in, I mean, Stephen McPhail's not had a club for a while. If he can reproduce the performances like against Doncaster, we need to sort of find these sort of diamonds in the rough, really. We haven't got a great deal coming through our academy, but we have sort of got the um, status two for our academy now. So that really will help us in going for the future. So like you say, if we can sort of consolidate at this level, keep the fans on side, I think we, we, we don't really want to be in the bottom three, or who does, but if we can sort of try and get our head a bit above water, even if we're not challenging for promotion, it's something better than we've got now. And just looking at the table, you've only actually scored eight goals yeah. in eight games so far this season. So it's pretty obvious where the improvement oh, right. needs to come. Yeah, well, obviously uh, we've got Gary Medine who's due to be 
sentenced on Friday and I'm wondering how much that's going to impact on bringing another striker in. We have brought in Matty Fryer. He came on to, towards the end of the defeat against Doncaster and he showed a couple of glimpses without having much of a chance, really. Hopefully when we take on Brighton tomorrow night, he'll get a start and maybe he can be sort of the, the missing link and put the ball in the back of the net. He's got a point to prove his, his club hull. They're doing all right in the Premier League. You know, he wants to send a message to them to say, I'm good enough to play in that squad. So hopefully he can use us as the platform to do that. Again, the defence looked a lot more solid. We, we've had a massive blow in losing Anthony Gardner, but hopefully Roger Johnson, again, another person with a point to prove, can shore up the defence and, and make sure that we can keep it tight at the back. We've got Kirkland, who, for me, is possibly the best goalkeeper in the division. You know, So we've got Lewis Buxton, who's not been around much for the start of the season. We did have Jordan Spence from West Ham on loan. He's gone back today. So you can get Lewis Buxton back into the team. Rita Johnson hasn't scored for a few games. He's having a bit of a strike, a goal-scoring crisis, which isn't <laughs> like him. So, yeah, there are, there are things we can look to be positive about, but we really just need to get that win and sort of try and move forward but. as soon as you said um, Roger Johnson's name there DC's hand shot up across oh, well, the room actually uh, it's nothing to do with oh, Roger right, Johnson okay. I'm afraid um, okay. what, what I was going to say finally is that I'm sure it hasn't escaped your attention that your your uh, rivals uh, in the same city Sheffield United are struggling to say the least in the yeah. division below you in, in League One and I don't know if you saw earlier on but uh, big Sheffield Wednesday fan and former England cricket captain Michael Vaughan somewhat yeah. uh, sarcastically <laughs> suggested that you could uh, you could merge do you fancy that? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, by the way, it's not just Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United because Barnsley, bottom of the league in the Championship, yeah. Leeds, Leeds are not pulling up any trees. I think it's and Bradford and Rotherham, the only ones. Uh, Yorkshire York, United. York, yeah. Come on. Well, you look at it, Doncaster. I think were the only Doncaster team as well. Yeah. Yeah, Doncaster were the only team within the South Yorkshire region to get anything on Saturday, and they were playing another South Yorkshire team. <laughs> yeah. So definitely not no chance for merger. I don't think. I think Michael Vaughan sometimes drops these little things out <laughs> uh, just to cause a bit of. Controversy, and he likes to have a little dig at the Sheffield United fans. I mean, it, it has been a sort of crumb of comfort, really, that they've been struggling. But they're probably the same about uh, say the same about us. There's a battle. It's like the battle of who's going to lose their manager first. That's the feeling amongst a lot of sort of fans around the city. But I think the positive thing that we can look at is we're the division above them. And I mean, David Weir is he's coming to do to do a job for them. He's trying to change quite a lot. Whether he's going to be given the time, I think sometimes Sheffield United fans have less patience than Sheffield Wednesday fans, but then other times I could call that into question. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's All an right. interesting time to follow football in Sheffield. Definitely. Uh, Carl, thanks for coming on. No problem. That's Carl Malouli, blogger for a Wednesday night Sky Sports Fan Zone, and you catch him occasionally on the Wednesday Week podcast. Uh, we've got uh, the uh, 10 point bulletin. Uh, we haven't really thought of a catchy name for it yet. Coming up in just a minute, but first, Ten point I don't know. We need a name for it. But first, here is uh, this week's my club with friend of the show, uh, Adam Williams, talking Ipswich. This is we are going up my club in 125 seconds. Hello, I'm Adam Williams, and my club is Ipswich Town. So, Adam, your first game at Portman Road. What was it? In about 1990, I seem to remember it was a nil-nil draw at home to Wolves. And what is a who has been your your favourite Ipswich player? Who did you have on your wall when you when you were a kid? Oh, I'd say it's probably um, a, a toss up between Kieran Dyer for being the most skillful player uh, I've seen growing up, and probably Matty Holland just for the sheer number of games that he played and, and the role that he played as captain. And uh, what went wrong in that season after that glorious <laughs> fifth place finish under George Burley? 
four words: Sanidi George, Matteo Serrani. <laughs> <laughs> what was your uh, your best moment been as an Ipswich fan? Was it a promotion to the Premier League, or when you finished fifth in the Premier League, playing in Europe? What was it? Um, I think for a moment in time, and, and as a big day out, it was probably winning that playoff final at Wembley in 2000 against Barnsley. The game was an absolute corker, um, and we won it pretty much with the last kick of the game. Absolutely fantastic experience. And uh, who has been your your? I'd say I, I hesitate to say the word hate. Your your least liked manager. It's probably going to be Paul Jewell, actually. More than Roy Keane. Um, well, it's probably a toss up between those two, but I'd say just for lack of, well, unexcitement, probably Paul Jewell. Okay, your favourite Ipswich Town goal ever. Uh, ooh, oh, that's a bit of a tester. Uh, oh. Probably Martin Royce scoring that winner in the playoff final at Wembley in 2000 just for, for what it meant for the club. Your favourite Ipswich Town kit? Uh, oh, probably that one that we got promoted in actually in 2000. <laughs> Green King as sponsors. Everything's uh, coming back to this season, dark isn't it? Blue. Yeah, dark, the nice little dot blue. Although we were one of those when the Premier League first started. We used to have that little tie-up thing at the top in an old-fashioned sort of um, lace. That was quite good. Sponsored by Fison's, I seem to remember. <laughs> nice bit of advertising. And finally from me, can you do an impression of Mick McCarthy? Oh, yeah, we put a good shift in and, uh, you know... No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. can't. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. So I think the lesson to take from that is to stop asking fans to do impressions on these features yeah. because it never ends well. Right, OK, it's time for um, our roundup. We will come back, don't worry, to the quiz question we asked right at the top of the show about the uh, the managers, longest seven managers in the Football League. Uh, so we'll do that right at the end. Uh, time to round up, though, um, what has gone on in the Football League over the past seven days. And we're going to start uh, with the two teams top of the Championship. First of all, we'll go to QPR. QPR 2, Middlesbrough nil. Seven wins in eight games for QPR seven successive clean sheets equaling a club record mad, they've not it? conceded a goal in 685 minutes and this is a team who were shipping goals left right and centre last it's season incredible isn't it I know he's, he's changed the defence this season and Green's playing now instead of instead of uh, Julio Cesar but you know, Harry Redknapp's teams are very much not known for their defensive solidity. It's Absolutely not. It's all about the, the, the attacking play and, you know, getting players playing going forward and on the front foot. But they're, you know, steely at the moment. And, you know, they are deservedly at the top of the league. You just referred to them as boring, boring QPR well, before we started yeah. this. Well, at least they scored two this season. That's amazing. It's the first game in the season in the league where they've scored uh, two goals. But uh, Middlesbrough, on the other hand, just four wins all calendar year. That's not good, is it? It is no not good. good. As I, I mentioned before, Tony Mowbray, I think, is now the longest serving manager in the championship. He's been there since two, October 2010. Wow. And so that's less than three years. Well, nearly, nearly three years. Nearly three well, years. three years by the time this comes out. Yeah. First one of October. OK, what about the team in second? And Burnley with a 3-0 win against Charlton. All looking terrific there. It was a really good piece, actually, on the Football League show uh, with uh, with Clem and obviously particular praise for the front two again of Vokes, who got a couple, and Danny Ings, who got well, one in, and then well, punched a, a hoarding. Yeah, exactly. And thus guaranteeing, uh, securing his spot in all the top 10 lists of foot bizarre footballing injuries yes. and celebrations for the for the rest of all time. But something else I saw that was amused me on Twitter, I think it was a Burnley fan that tweeted this. You know, for some reason as as is the way when a sort of unfashionable manager starts to do well in the low leagues he'll get called the something Mourinho or, or whatever well yeah. uh, Dyche has been called the ginger Mourinho in a lot of places yeah. by a lot of people well I saw a Burnley fan tweet and say actually what about uh, uh, I don't call uh, Dyche the ginger Mourinho I call Mourinho the silver Dyche <laughs> 
That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He's doing a great job there. I mean, Charlie Austin leaving, leaving in the summer, a lot of people thought that they'd be, you know, struggle to score well, step, goals. As you and, said, step forward, Danny Ings, he's the man so far this season and, you know, he's done superbly. He's, he had some problems with injuries, hasn't he, in the last few seasons. He's, he's got another problem with injury he's now. Fit, he's fit now and banging them in. So, oh, he's not top scorer in the championship. That's because James Vaughan is and uh, Jordan Rhodes standard. James Vaughan did score another cracker uh, away at Huddersfield in a one-all draw for Blackpool. Away at, away at Blackpool. Sorry. No, away, no, it was at Huddersfield for Huddersfield yeah, if that for makes Huddersfield, sense yeah. <laughs> he didn't score for Black oh screw it ok well let's move on um, <laughs> we did sort of briefly touch there on Sheffield United with Carl uh, bottom now of League One the bottom team in the third tier of English football Sheffield United a team who were in the Premier League about six or seven years ago and uh, they did lose 2-0 at Wolves at the weekend and David Weir must be on a tightrope now absolutely I mean and they're playing the team that took their best player as well which which a lot of you know mm. we spoke to the Sheffield United guy a few weeks ago that's kind of something that you, you, you'd point at and you know, as, as we mentioned before a bad time to be a football fan in Sheffield who's going to go first I think your money would have to be on Weir at the moment uh, just quickly while we're on the subject to managers what about Dougie Friedman as well Bolton won the oval one another one well they looked like they were going to lose that didn't Adam they? Bogdan's uh, mistake for the goal howler you know, from uh, Ed Upson wasn't memories it memories of, of, uh, of South Africa with Robert Green yeah Taibi as well and Taibi yeah awful awful uh, howler from Bogdan and you know they pulled that Baptiste getting them the, the equalising goal at the last minute which could be crucial for Friedman it was um, I was listening to, uh, to, of all people, Vernon Kay uh, on the on the radio this morning. A mm. big Bolton fan, uh, and big he NFL was, man. Uh, yeah, well, that's why he was on about. But then they asked him about Bolton, and he was saying that you know he was preaching uh, to give Friedman more time, and that you know the performance hasn't been hasn't been too bad. But I'm I'm not necess- necessarily sure whether all the Bolton fans would uh, would agree with that. And I don't think you just got to look at their squad. Look at the the squad that they've got. The amount they must be paying in wages. I don't think it's acceptable for them to be down there, especially when. After he came in last season, they had a really good season. He picked well, them up, you know, really got them into within a whisker of the playoffs. So for them to be down there this season, it's inexplicable. Next two games are away from home as well. They play Blackpool away Tuesday night in a massive derby match and then Birmingham away on Saturday. And then after that, they've got Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich at home. So those two look slightly more winnable, you would say. Uh, so they need to win them. Well, they definitely do. In fact, there's quite a few uh, sort of big teams down the wrong end of the uh, the championship. Let's move on anyway. Uh, where are we going next? We're going to go to League One, where Graham Kavanagh is working his magic at Carlisle, and he's Speaking been appointed overhead manager. Yeah, yeah, he's been appointed their new boss. Three straight victories since he's taken over the uh, job. A, a man along with uh, Kevin McNaughton, who for, for always seems to have been grey haired from, well, from every point during his football career. Well, I can't imagine remember him not having grey hair. Well, this is the thing because like I did, I did just mention to you just before we started recording this bit that there was. Um, uh, I sort of caught up on the Football League show today and there was a terrible bit of sort of banter between Manish That's and Lee, Leroy right at the end um, when they uh, they sort of came off the Kavanagh thing and Leroy, you could tell he'd had this line stored up for the whole show, just came off the back of it and said, oh, well, he's always looked like a manager because he's always had grey hair. And it was just the fawning laugh that followed from Manish. It was the, the worst bit of scripted Football League show banter ever. But we spoke to John Coleman, the journalist up there a few weeks ago and they couldn't buy a win. And, um, well, they've been forced to give him the job. I, I can't help but stop you there because you've just said something that I picked that I that I sort of picked up on Saturday night when, when I was talking to you after the uh, after the, the games on Saturday. As you know, we, we were big fans of the Twitter feed football cliches. The Guardian posted a piece from football cliches on their site the what other day done? as well. What have I done? And I was listening to to Sam Matterface of Talksport commentate. This is not just singling out him. All, all football commentators are guilty of it from time to time. <laughs> but he said when Arsenal playing Swansea on on on, uh, on Saturday night that whoever it was uh, they couldn't buy a goal this time last season. Uh, and you've just said they couldn't 
buy a win. I mean, that's the, that's the answer, isn't it? It'd be, it'd be brilliant if these teams could, in fact, buy a win or or a goal. I Imagine think... just to stop halfway through and go, right, OK, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to spend all of my remaining transfer budget on a goal now, please. Can we have... Yeah, I bought a goal. We discussed this Saturday night, yeah. didn't we? I remember, vaguely. Life would be much easier if you could just buy things that you wanted in terms of results and goals. Definitely. Well, well done to Graeme Kavanagh. That's the bottom line because uh, he's... Uh, he was, I think he was assistant there, wasn't he? Yeah. When Greg Abbott was there and he's gone in and got three successive victories. And uh, even though they did look they were hanging on a little bit against Notts County at the weekend, he's got the job. Good luck to him. Also in League One at the weekend, the or one of the great own goals, McEverly oh, of good, Swindon. Good Lord. You're yawning there, mate. Come on, we're, ne- we're nearly done. <laughs> McEverly <laughs> completely lobbing the ball over West Fodringham to give and, uh, and Preston a 2 that, lead. It was everything that could be wrong about this was wrong. It wasn't like the Bradford, um, not Bradford, the old... Um, who was it? You're having yeah. a shocker here, mate. Who was it, who was it last week? The, the volley. The North Northampton. It wasn't like the Northampton oh, one, yes. was it? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Where that was just kind of like a spectacular volley that is actually hit really well. It's just all gone wrong. This was a simple pass, and he had he was five yards <laughs> away it. from Wes Fodderingham in the Swindon goal. Fodderingham looked like he called for it. He was coming out. There was no pressure, and he tried to just <laughs> cushion it back with his foot, and he's come off his shin, looped up over the goalkeeper, the on-rushing goalkeeper who looks at him incredulous, and it's just ridiculous. Talk to each other communicate use your brain Jay McEverly still, still not as good as the Jamie Pollock one though which no will, nothing ever will be which will always be the Football League's greatest own goal unless that was in the cup I can't remember I think it was in the league I'll get back to it on that the, one no it's the one that yeah it was because they got relegated didn't they down to the second tier yeah yeah but was tier. it definitely a, anyway we, we, should have, we should have discussed this beforehand uh, let's, t- <laughs> let's talk about the, uh, the, um, the Capital One Cup because believe it or not there are only three football League teams left in it considering uh, one got to the final last year that's a slightly poor showing you've got Leicester taking on Fulham in the next round Birmingham who won it uh, three years ago about 2011 they won it I think mm-hmm. they're playing Stoke yep. and uh, Leicester against Fulham have I said that already those are the three so Burnley Birmingham and Leicester and your boys completely threw it away against Norwich you were 2-0 up. We did. We did, you know, and I fancied, I fancied us to maybe just have a little run in this competition because such is the size of our of our squad. And yeah, just all, all went to pot in the last minute, but we concentrate on the league. There's another one for you. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, I guess maybe our hopes were raised last season, weren't they? There were so many, not just yeah. Bradford, there was a lot of spectacular football league but success in the Capital I'll give you, Cup uh, last season. My, uh, my housemate is one of my housemates is a West Ham fan. And he said to me, I asked him if you got in the draw. He was like, oh, Burnley away, quite happy with that. I was like, why are you saying no, that? Absolutely I think, not. I think you're going to struggle there. I think yeah. Burnley are going to win that. And likewise, well, Birmingham Stoke, you give Birmingham a decent chance. Leicester, I think all three sides actually could go three from those yeah. games. Uh, let's talk about um, League Two. Mansfield Town winning the big derby game away at Chesterfield on Saturday lunchtime by one, one goal of, to one nil. One great derbies, isn't it? Very much so. And uh, Well, it is for Mansfield fans. Yeah, I've not I'm had it for sorry. years. Unnecessarily they sarcastic. Are, there. They are up to third in League Two. Well, you better deliver now because you're the one that wanted to mention Mansfield. So uh, they're up to third. What a start what to the season. What would you call the derby? What's the, what's the name of the derby? Spireite Stags. I don't know. East. What is it? It's, uh, it's, I'm, not, I'm not really sure, to be honest. <laughs> Go on then, Mansfield. What do I make of them? Yeah, what a great start. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I used to live on Mansfield Road, which is the road from Mansfield to Nottingham. <laughs> That's uh, the best you've got, is it? <laughs> yeah, so they've got a special place here in my heart, have the Stags. So that kind of insight you listened to, I mean, if you're still listening no, but, to this No, point, in all seriousness, no, they are doing brilliant. Can you yeah. consider they lost one of their main striker uh, no, they did. To, to Birmingham in the Championship now, and they're, they're sitting third uh, mm. in, the, in, the, in the league table at the moment. It's superb. So uh, on Saturday, I went to uh, Dagenham and Redbridge, 
uh, the wonderful Victoria Road uh, to watch... Uh, not your f- first time there, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. We lost the last time one as well. Um, to watch Berry, uh, Dagnum against Berry in League Two. Two poor teams, actually, to be honest. Uh, Dagnum won by two goals to one. Uh, we're having a really poor run at the moment. I think Kevin Blackwell's under increasing pressure. Mm-hmm. We really need to get a win in the next couple of games. Um, our left-back, former Derby player Gareth Roberts, came in the summer as club captain. He's having an absolute shock. I'd be interested, actually, uh, if Experimental 3-6-1, Ben Mayhew had done like a... I don't know if he has this season, a thing about where the goals conceded have come from, which areas of the pitch. I'm sure way over half would be down sort of our left-hand side where our left-back is every time the opponents are, um, are targeting him and I think uh, something needs to happen quickly because it's not looking good and that money I put on us to go up at the start of the season Gone. is already down the drain right okay back to the question then you ready for um, for this God, no. yeah not really but you come on okay so the question I asked you was and thanks again to uh, at the Enigma 84 Graham one of our listeners who's tweeted this in uh, following Nigel Clough's dismissal only 7 out of the 92 Football League managers have held their job for more than three years you've got so far Arsene Wenger Paul Tisdale Carl Robinson so you've got three so far you've got four more to get um, so I have another one uh, okay uh, don't think so what did you say there was two in so League 2 two from League 1 and two from League 2 left so League 2 um, Morecambe Jim Bentley incorrect uh, <laughs> going well this Okay, League One, I'll tell you. No, don't tell me. All oh, right, okay. I don't want to be told. Right, well. We'll, have to, we'll stay here all night, mate, oh, if okay, we have to. Good. Extra long bonus oh, podcast this. I have quite happily postponed my watching of the final Breaking Bad episode till tomorrow night and stay off Twitter for another day to, <laughs> Dedication. Get, to, to get this. Um, Dedication. There's a lot of changes, isn't there? All the ones you keep thinking of. I might go and make a brew, mate. Um, Give you a few minutes. Uh, it's not. Uh, Mansfield. No. No. Uh, League Two. Mark Yates. Correct. Yeah. Cheltenham. Um, I'm sure the rest of them have changed them. Team are doing well at the moment. They're in second. Oxford, Chris Wilder. There you go. You right. got it. So you got okay. that one. So I didn't give that to you. Didn't one. Get what, Russell Slade? Correct. One more to get. And one more to get. Uh, um, Graham Turner. Yay. It's correct. Uh, if you want to tweet the show this week, it is at Wagyu Podcast. Um, actually, oh, I'll tell you what, quickly before we go, one last thing we forgot to mention our bulletin. Wickham's away kit. Absolutely yes. shocking. Looks like Barcelona. Horrendous. The, well, it looks um, like they've gone out and just bought a, a load of Barcelona kits from the nearest Sports Direct. <laughs> Absolutely dreadful. So if you can tweet us some of your worst football league kits ever, I think that'd be quite fun this week and we can retweet some of them, maybe mention them on the show uh, next week. So uh, Twitter is Wagyu Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud. Uh, have a listen to us via there. If you've got the SoundCloud app, you can listen via that. If you don't use iTunes or you can uh, get us and subscribe on iTunes. And the website is wearegoingup.co.uk. Um, that's pretty much it unless you've got anything else Um, mate go and watch Breaking Bad we'll be back next week this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the Football League covered hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 